All right, so 2 Chronicles 22, let's pray and let's dig into the Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. We ask now as we go to your Word that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us tonight. Thank you for everyone who's here, none by chance, all by divine appointment. Uh, minister to every heart. We pray for those that are also watching this on live stream, that you administer to them as well, many from all over the country and many that used to fellowship here that have moved away, and we pray that they too would be encouraged and strengthened tonight. Lord, we ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray, and all God's people said. So this is a short chapter, but there's a lot in here. And one of the things we've been talking about in Chronicles, this is a quick reminder, is Chronicles was written to the children of Israel who had been in Babylon in bondage for 70 years, and now they're coming back into, into Israel, and coming back specifically into Judah. And so as they're returning, many of them had never lived there. They didn't really know the history as well as they could. So the Babylonian captives have been gone 70 years. They're coming back. We know 1 Chronicles focus on King David, 2 Chronicles on Solomon and his line. We've talked about the fact that the nation's been torn in two. The 10 northern nations are Israel. The two southern nations are Judah. We know that every single king that we see in Israel is evil, all of them. You would think that somebody would come along and stand for God. There aren't any. There have been about half of the kings in Judah have been godly and about half have not. If you were here last week, we looked at, we look, we've been looking at a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat was a godly man. And Jehoshaphat honored the Lord. And Jehoshaphat tore down all the idols. And Jehoshaphat reinstituted the teaching of the word to everybody in the land of Judah. But Jehoshaphat had one we talked about it last week, one ungodly choice that he made that had a huge impact. And I tell the message when godly men make ungodly choices. And what was the ungodly choice that he made? What was it? Who remembers? He unequally yoked, he aligned himself with King Ahab. So remember, Ahab and Jezebel, of all the evil kings in Israel, they were, he was the most evil king of them all, and the only one worse than him was his wife. Okay. Jezebel. And they were the ones that brought Baal worship into Israel. So they brought in all these false gods and all these false idols and they defiled the land. And that's the one where Elijah goes in and kicks down and calls down fire from the sky, with, right? The battle on Mount Carmel. If you're going to Israel with us, you'll see that. And so Jehoshaphat, unfortunately though, he aligned his son with King Ahab's daughter. Her name was Athaliah. And as we saw last week, that this man, as soon as he became king, as soon as Jehoshaphat died and went to heaven, the first thing he did was kill all his brothers. And after killing all his brothers, he thought, well, now no one else can be king because I'm the last one in the line. It has to be me. There's no other choices. And unlike his dad, who was king for you know decades, he was king for eight years. In those last two years, God struck him with uh, an intestinal problem. His intestines eventually gushed out and he died. And so the reality is, guys, if we try to plan and we try to force God's hand and we try to limit what God can do, guys, that's just, it's just foolish because we know our God is greater than everything. Amen? And so now we're going to come to tonight's chapter and we're going to see the, end, you know, the, the death of the, the son last week, right? And if you guys remember his name, his name was Jehoram. He dies and now his son's going to take over and the son's going to be even worse than him. But he's not going to stick around long enough for us to even find out how bad he is. And so just by way of introduction, much of what we've seen in the last few chapters and what we will see again in the text tonight are things that have caused the downfall, not only of kingdoms, but of many of our lives today. Because here's the two things, the two main things that are the downfalls in this text. Number one, being unequally yoked with unbelievers. And number two, entertaining and following the counsel of the ungodly. There it is. Following ungodly counsel and being unequally yoked. That right there will destroy your life. Amen? If you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, if you heed the counsel of the ungodly, or if you're unequally yoked. Look, I do a lot of pre-marriage counseling. I've been blessed by God to do, I don't know, 250 weddings or something like that. And the number one most important decision you make outside of giving your life to Jesus is who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Amen? Who you're going to partner with as your spouse for the rest of your life. 
And you know what? There's way too much compromise happening in the church. And when you're unequally yoked, I guarantee you there's some people in this room that maybe got saved after they were married, or maybe they married somebody that wasn't saved, and they look back and say, man, I wish I could do that over. And so that being unequally yoked, and it certainly applies to marriage, but it also applies to relationships. It applies to business partnerships, all of that, because how can somebody who knows God have a relationship with somebody who doesn't and have it be equal? It doesn't work. And we've got a lot of people in our church that come to church by themselves, their spouses are home, their spouses don't know the Lord. If that's you, stay and pray. God's highest is for you to remain and you continue to pray for your spouse that may or may not be saved. Maybe they're saved and they just want to come to church yet. Again, keep continue to pray for them. But we're going to see that happening again in tonight's text. So being unequally yoked and then walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, we're going to see when we get to the text that in those days, we're going to see ungodly counsel being heeded in tonight's text again. But in those days, if you're going to have ungodly counsel, it had to be like one-on-one. Like you had to talk to a person that gave you some ungodly counsel. Today, the day we live, because back in those days, keep in mind, there's no internet, no radios, no TVs, no cell phones, right? The reality is there were very few books and a lot of, most people couldn't read. Because back in those days, if you had a book, someone had to hand write it. There was no printing press. So if you had a book, I mean, that was a treasured possession. And, and so where did you get your ungodly counsel? One-on-one. Well, you know, the problem today is we have ungodly counsel being blown at us from every direction. You pick up your phone, ungodly counsel. You look on the internet, ungodly counsel. You turn on your TV, ungodly counsel. You watch a movie, ungodly counsel. You walk into a store and some of the stuff they're promoting, ungodly, amen? And so as much as it impacted them then, we face it far more today than any generation ever has, amen? And you've got people that are walking away from the Lord because they saw some guy online that said he knew what he was talking about. This group of chapters should serve not only as a warning to the children of Israel returning from Babylonian captivity, but every born-again believer in the room tonight. So Jehoram, an evil and idolatrous king that killed his own brothers and reestablished Baal worship due largely to the ungodly influence of the pagan Baal-worshipping wife that he had been given by his own dad, we're going to see that he fell because he married an ungodly woman. The Bible warns them, do not be unequally yoked. If you marry somebody, they will, if you give your sons to their daughters, they will drag your sons away unto idolatry. And that's what we've seen throughout 1 and 2 Kings and now in 1 and 2 Chronicles that that happens. And, you, and, and if you're married to somebody who does not know the Lord, I've got people in my life right now that are dating unbelievers, and I'm, I'm, I'm about as blunt as you get. Because I'm like, look, God has something better for you. Well, I care about him. You know what? I get it. Pray for their salvation. You can care about them, but you shouldn't be dating them. You shouldn't be yoked with them. They don't know the Lord. Amen? And especially young women, you want a man who loves God more than he loves you. Amen? Because he cannot lead you if he doesn't love God more than he loves you. And guys, you don't want a woman you want, that loves you more than she loves God. That's just a disaster. And so as we're going through the text, I just want to be mindful that these things, even though written thousands of years ago, so clearly apply, apply to our lives today. And the whole unequally yoke thing, man, it's just heartbreaking. So who's going to take his place? Jehoram's dead. His youngest son. And his youngest son, we'll find out why, he was the only one left. He didn't get picked because he was godly. He didn't get picked because he was the best one. He was the only one left. The Arabians had come in and brought judgment upon Jehoram's family and killed all of his kids. And the only one that's left, we're going to see him tonight. And he's a son born of an unequally yoked marriage, of two idol-worshipping and evil parents, a dad who killed his uncles and reestablished idolatry, a mom who was wicked and an evil, flesh-driven idolater whose parents were Ahab and Jezebel. You think you had it rough with your family? This is a rough family. How's it going to work out? Now, here's the reality. Do you know that some people that come from some of the most heavy-duty families that are really far away from the Lord are some of the most godly people who have ever lived? Amen. 
And then you have some people that are raised in a Christian home and they don't walk with the Lord. So it's not an excuse for us not to walk with God if we didn't have the best family growing up. And it's also, you know, not a, a guarantee that because we had godly parents that we're going to serve the Lord. But certainly this man that we're going to look at tonight is a man who grew up in an environment that was not honoring to the Lord. So if you have your outline, grab it. I tell the message, guilt by association. You will become like the people you hang out with. There's no way that's not true. If you hang out with the world, you become like the world. If you're hanging out with the Lord, you'll become more like the Lord. If you hang out with other believers, you'll, you'll grow in your relationship with God. Amen? This is why fellowship is so important. Forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. So who are you hanging out with? When I was a youth pastor. I used to say it all the time. Look at your friends. That's you. If you're hanging out with stoners, you're a stoner. I don't care what you say. You are, right? If you hang out with this group, that group, right? And the reality is you look at your friends and that's who you are. And, and I love that because, you know what? All of my closest friends, look, I have people I minister to, but I don't have fellowship with. All my closest friends love Jesus. And I love hanging out with people that love the Lord because blood is thicker than water, but the Holy Spirit is thicker than blood. Amen? Now, here's the four points in 12 short verses. Guilt by association. If you surround yourself with evil influences, you'll become more like them and less like Jesus. That's a fact. If you're hanging out with people that all they care about is making money before you know it, that's going to be more of a focus of your life. And, and it doesn't mean you'll walk away from the Lord completely, but you'll notice that your passion will start to change. It can be little things. When I was in, when I was in college, I was a, a workout fanatic. I worked out four hours a day, at least six days a week, and uh, I was, it was in the heavy lifting and all this kind of stuff. I wanted to be as strong as I could be, and the Bible says a young man's pride is in his strength. And even though I love Jesus, that became too important. And it can be anything. It's it, Just because it's, it's something that's taking your affection away from the Lord doesn't mean in and of itself it's evil, but when you make it more important or give it more time than it deserves, it becomes an idol. Amen. Now, yeah, work out, but don't make working out more important than Jesus, amen? And you're going to become like the people you hang out with. By your fruit they shall know you, where there is not counsel, the people fail, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. See, when you're hanging out with ungodly people, nobody in this room knows everything, amen? And there are always going to be things where you need someone's counsel. It can be, how do I fix the pipe that broke in my, you know, in my garage, to, uh, you know, hey, we're, having a we're going through a difficult time in our marriage. I got a financial issue I'm dealing with. I got a health issue I'm dealing with. I've got a question about the Bible, right? And so we have people that we turn to when we need help with stuff. And the reality is that if we're turning to the world, we're going to get worldly answers. I think a guy can tell me how to fix a pipe that doesn't know Jesus. But if I know a Christian plumber, I'm calling him first. Can I get amen to that? <laughs> Just him. And the reality is that there's things that we can get from the world, but I want to go to the Lord. I want to get godly counsel from people that know Jesus, no matter what it is I'm looking at. What really matters is who you are in the sight of the Lord. We're going to see that in this morning's text. Number two, hang out with the world and become a part of the world's battles. I was a youth pastor for 15 years, and both places where I was a youth pastor had a pretty heavy gang element. And you'll see all these pe young people, uh, men and women, young men and young girls and boys, both, that get involved with gangs. And one of the main reasons that they do is they want to belong somewhere. And so they start hanging out with these people that they're just being friends with. And before you know it, they get jumped into the gang or however they have the initiation. And then before you know it, they're getting involved with gang activity. And then before you know it, and I, I did prison ministry for years. You're sitting in the car while somebody in the front seat shoots at somebody. That guy, that guy gets hurt, and now you're going to jail because you were sitting in the car, and you should go to jail because you were sitting in the car. Amen? But the point is guilt by association. If, if you're hanging out with people where gunplay might come into play, you might need some new friends. Amen? If, if drugs are being dealt, if things like that are taking place, but see, when people are looking for a place to belong, the place where you need to belong is to Jesus, amen? The place you need to belong to is other believers who can hold up your hands and encourage you, and you're going to fight the battles that, you're, that the people that you are aligned with fight, and the battle that we fight is a spiritual one. 
We want to see people saved. Amen? We want to pray for each other. We want to make stands for the kingdom of God. So I don't want to get involved in worldly battles. We're going to see that happen in tonight's text. He's going to align with the world, and he's going to have to go out into a worldly battle, and it's going to end up costing him his life. And again, we need to be careful who we align with because we will end up fighting battles alongside of those that we align with. Number three, know, what, know that, godly, that worldly influences will destroy a godly testimony and you will become desensitized to sin. The more you tolerate sinful behavior, the less offended you'll be by it. And I'll tell you what really takes place. The music we listen to, the things we're entertained by. If you start watching movies and they're cussing God's name and there's F-bombs flying before you know it, they might be coming out of your mouth. Or you become desensitized to it. Or you don't act like it's a big deal anymore. And it's, you know what? And it's so simple that when you're around it and you talk, the behavior that you tolerate is the behavior you're going to create. Amen? If you're tolerating it and you're not saying it's wrong, you're not standing up for it, before you know it, you're going to be someone who says, well, I'm a Christian. I just think homosexuality is okay. I mean, you know, I have a homosexual friend. He's a nice guy. And well, you know, he's a sinful man just like the rest of us who needs to be saved. Amen? And we get to this place where, you know, the first time I heard about a drive-by shooting, I didn't sleep that night. And now we hear about five of them a week. And we become desensitized to it, right? School shootings, right? I mean, everything that happens that's evil, the more you hear about it, the less of a big deal it is. And here's another issue. Within the church, this should not be so. But it's a rarity when two people start courting, remain faithful, do not, you know, do not cross the line of immorality and get married standing up in front of their family and friends having been faithful to the Lord all the way till their wedding day. Now that needs to, that should happen with every believer. Amen. People still think I'm lying when I say that I said to my daughter, you may kiss the bride. It was the first kiss of her life. They think I'm making it up. Oh, that can't be true. That should be the standard for everybody. Amen? But it happens when we're hanging out with the world and we're interacting with the world and we're being entertained by the world, we're going to become more like the world and the more we're going to be desensitized to what the world is doing and less uh, stalwart than what the Word of God says. The Word of God is the final court of authority. I don't care what you think. Love you all. Don't care what you think. I care what this says. How about that? Amen? Because our feelings lie. Our thoughts are wrong often. Amen? Word of God's always true. And that's the standard. Amen? And then finally, you will lose sight of what's really important. The only thing you're taking to heaven with us is people. Amen? You hear me say that often. It's people that matter. Stuff doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter. Things don't matter. It's all going to burn. Amen? It's all going to be gone. Do you think anybody's going to be worried about their house when those 120-pound hailstones are falling from the sky during the rapture? When mountains are moving... When a third of the world's population is dying in a single day, no one's going to be out there covering up their car to make sure it doesn't get scratched. Amen? But the stuff that we place so, such heavy importance in will mean absolutely nothing in eternity. My son, who went to heaven about two weeks before he went, he had just bought a new truck, and literally the motor blew like in four days after he got it. It wasn't brand new, but it was pretty expensive, and he was bummed. And we were in the kitchen talking about it, I'm like, son, it won't matter in heaven. He goes, yeah, dad, that's the way I'm looking at it. It won't. And the reality is he's in heaven now. You think he's worried about that truck? Exactly. It's a heavenly perspective. What matters is people. So let's begin. They're looking at guilt by association. You'll become like the people you hang out with. If you surround yourself with evil influences, you'll become more like them and less like Jesus. So good it says in verse one. Then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his place, for the raiders who came with the Arabians into the camp had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. Let's go back and read verses 17 and 18 of the previous chapter. Go back to 2 Chronicles 21, it's right there, verse 17 and 18. It says, they came up into Judah and invaded it and carried away all their possessions, were found in the king's house, and also his sons and his wives, so that there was not a son left in him except Jehoahaz, which is also, his name can also be Ahaziah, the youngest of his sons. And after all this, the Lord struck him in his intestines with an incurable disease and he dies. So the only one that's left is Ahaziah. 
All his brothers are dead. Everyone else in his family's dead. He's the only one left in the line. He's the only one that can be the king. So they make him king. I feel like that's kind of like our election sometimes. I don't know how we get stuck with the people we get stuck with. Well, I guess you're the only guy we got, so I got to do this one, right? Amen. Good news is God's on the throne. Amen. Good news is we're going to heaven. So he wasn't a good or a godly choice. He was the only choice. Now, could he have been a godly man? What's the answer? Of course. Again, his grandpa was Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a godly man. His other grandpa is Ahab. So he can either be like Ahab, wicked, vile, evil, idol-worshiping, horrible human being, or he can be like Jehoshaphat, a godly man who loved and worshiped and served the Lord and had the word of God taught to all of his people and tore down the idols. He can either follow after the idol worshiper example or the godly, you know, the godly grandpa example. And he's going to have his own free will. And here's the reality. Every one of us, you may have godly influences in your family and ungodly influences in your family. You may have all godly or all ungodly. Regardless, it's ultimately up to you. God has no grandchildren. You have to choose today whom you're going to serve. Amen? And you can't blame it on mom and dad. You can't blame it on grandma and grandpa. Now, they may be accountable on judgment day for not having taught you well, but you can't blame it on them. And so the tragic truth is that he's going to settle for less than God's highest. Now, what's amazing is his name means Jehovah possesses or Jehovah holds me. His name is another form, again, of Jehoaz, it's Ahaziah. And the reason that the youngest man is king is because, again, there was no other choice. He was the last one left. So he gets to be king. Now, again, when the children, when, when Jehoram disobeyed God, and God brought the righteous judgment upon him, part of that was he brought more than likely it was the Philistines, but also the Arabians who came in and wiped out everybody. And again, sin has consequences. And God will even use unbelievers to bring about righteous judgment. So Ahaziah, again, not the best choice, was simply the last man standing. Look at verse 2. It says, Ahaziah was 42 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year. How long? One year. His grandpa reigned decades. His dad reigned eight years. He's going to reign one year. We're going to find out why. And it says, his mother's name was Athaliah. Now, who's Athaliah? Remember, who is she? Who's her mom and dad? Ahab and Jezebel. So she is the one, we know from other texts, who is encouraging her husband to worship Baal and to reestablish all the, the high places for the false gods. And he listened to her instead of listening to the Lord. And guys, I love to get counsel from my wife, and I, my wife doesn't give me ungodly counsel, but if my wife or, or my parents, anybody, ever told me, well, I think you should do this, and it's contrary to the word, I'm not doing that. Amen? But sadly, he listened to his ungodly wife, and he didn't arrange the marriage. His dad did, so he could blame his dad, but it's still up to Jehoram because he chose to listen to her and got caught up in idolatry. And it's tragic. Now, this doesn't happen very often in Scripture, but notice it says how old he is there. What does it say? Okay, that would be a miracle because his dad died at 40. And he just died. Okay? If you go to 2 Chronicles, it says he's 22. So the Hebrew person who wrote this down put a 4 there instead of a 2 there. That does happen. It's not, it doesn't change anything about the Bible. It doesn't mean the Bible's in error. Because if, uh, if you read back in Kings, it says he's 22. And again, his dad was 40. 22 makes sense. Amen? 42, that doesn't work out. Right? There was no DeLorean back then. No one's going back in time. Right? Amen? And so, and so he was 22 years old. He was a young man. And now all of a sudden, he's the king. All right, you're 22 your dad's dead, your mom's a train wreck, your grandparents on that side are train wrecks, your grandparents on this side, he's in heaven, so you're not going to get any counsel from him, and now it's all up to you, and now you're the head over all of Judah and Jerusalem, and these are God's chosen people, and you're 22 years old, let's find out what kind of guy we've got here. God's never surprised by any of this, but notice he reigned for one year. Ahaziah's reign was very short-lived, and we're going to see why in verse 4, because he did evil. Follow the ungodly counsel 
of his mom's family instead of the godly counsel of his godly grandparents on, on, on his dad's side. Seeing, hearing, and following ungodly counsel will lead to destruction and God's righteous judgment. God suffers long. He won't suffer always. You hear me say this all the time. And if we just shake our fists at God and walk in open disobedience against God, he may show us grace and he may show us grace. And he may show us mercy, but eventually our sin will have consequences. Amen. You can't just continue down that road forever and have there be no consequences because those who the Lord loves, he disciplines. Amen. And sadly, we're going to see that this young man is going to go off the grid. It says, Athaliah, the daughter of Omri. Omri was Athaliah's grandfather, and her father and mother, as we know, were Ahab and Jezebel. So this ungodly young woman, Athaliah, is again the mother of Ahaziah, who is now the king. So his mom is the one that told his dad to put all the idols up. His mom is the one who led her husband away from the things of God. And and he can't blame her for that. It's on him too. And now he's dead. And now she's the mother of the king. And he's the only one left. He's the last living person, again, who could be in that position. Verse three, he also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab for his mother advised him to do wickedly. So if if you think I'm picking on Athaliah, read that verse. His wife, he's not his wife, his mom told him to do wickedly. Can there be anything worse than having a mom who encourages you to be wicked? And the sad thing is that sometimes that still happens today. Amen? You might have a mom that tells you to do this or do that because, you know, get ahead, do what you got to do, lie, cheat, steal, whatever. Now, fortunately, most of us, maybe not all of us, most of us have godly moms, or maybe we've got a godly influence in our life. But his own mother is telling him to do ungodly things, and Athaliah certainly hasn't learned from from her husband dying. Her husband died. Remember that God brought a plague upon him and his, his intestines ate himself from the inside out. He laid on the floor for two years in, in, in pain. You'd think she might have learned something. And instead, she wants her son to go down the same path that her husband went down. I can think of no not a more sad description of a mom than she advised her son to do wickedly. Now, let me say this too. I'm not a super political guy. There are more kids today in our country, maybe than ever, that don't have a dad. And that's tragic, amen? And praise God for single moms that are faithfully raising their kids as best as they can. And the Bible tells us that the pure and undefiled religion is to minister to orphans and widows, and we should be coming alongside every single mom on the planet, and certainly every single mom in our church. Can I get an amen to that? Okay? And praise God for that. But we also have some, if the dad's not around and mom's overwhelmed, She's not going to maybe give the best advice. And so I think every young man, every young woman needs a godly male figure in her life and a godly male female figure in both. They need both. Amen? And that, that would be my heart that, you know, if, if you don't have a godly dad around, uh, I would pray that other men that are here that love the Lord can be that example for you. Amen? And the same is true if you don't have a godly mom. Maybe you're, you don't look for other women who can be a godly example for you. So she has this ungodly counsel, and while her wicked counsel will not go unpunished, Ahaziah is responsible before God for following her wicked counsel. People can give you wicked counsel. You don't have to do it. Amen? You don't have to listen when people tell you to do things contrary to the Word of God. Now, here's how you keep from doing it. Spend time in the Word of God. Know what it says. Walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? When you hear ungodly counsel, you'll go, why would I do that? That's foolish. I'm not doing that. I'm going to honor the Lord. Amen? So here comes ungodly counsel. Ahaziah is 22 years old. He's a young man, but he's a grown man. And it's up to him if he's going to honor God or listen to ungodly counsel and not contrary to the word of God. While we are called to honor our mother and father, we're not called to obey them rather than God. It says in Matthew 10, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's heavy. How many guys love your kids so much you can hardly, you can hardly stand it? And then grandkids, it's like double. 
It just is. Because you're older now and you love little babies even more and you only get them a limited amount of times. So you just you just love, you just slobber all over them every time you see them, right? Pretty much. You just, you know what I mean? And that's how, I mean, spoil them rotten. I don't care, you know? Just love on them, love on them. And then if they cry, just give them back. That's all good. But the point I'm making is you love them so much that sometimes it's even hard to put into words how much you love them. But you know, we're supposed to love God more than them. Amen. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't make less of how much we love our kids and grandkids. We're, we're to love God more. Now, have you guys heard a guy named Bill Gothard? Thankfully, it's not too many of you. That's good. Pretty much. He's a Christian, and he was big in the 70s. Remember that? 70s and 80s, he'd have these conferences like at Oakland Coliseum, and 40,000 people would come. And what he taught was, now some of the stuff he taught was okay, but what he taught was, you have to obey your mom and dad no matter how old you are, no matter what they tell you to do. And he would say, if your mom and dad tell you, don't go to church, then you need to honor them and don't go to church. And I have kids come back, oh, well, I can't come to church anymore because my parents don't want me to go. And Bill Gothard said, I have to honor my parents. I said, that's straight nonsense. Can I get them into that? We obey God rather than man. Now, we're to honor, now, should we honor our parents even if they give us some God? We honor them. We don't mistreat them. We don't you know, treat them wrongly. But at the same time, if my, if my, thankfully, I never had this, but if my dad came and said, yeah, you're going to stop going to church, yeah, I don't think so. Not doing that. Amen? And if they give me ungodly counsel, I'm not following it. I honor my parents. I will always honor, you know, they're in heaven now, but I think it's good that you honor your parents. You should honor your parents, even if they tell you things you don't agree with. Amen? Honor them. But at the same time, if they give you something contrary to the word of God, you don't have to follow that. We're to obey God rather than men. Whenever we were confronted with, I had to write more COVID letters this week. Can you believe that? I'm still having to write religious exemption letters. It's been three years or whatever it's been. And there's still people getting jobs where they, have, they need a religious exemption letter to get the job that they're getting. And I, I, I fill it out. I'm happy to do it. But we're still living in a time where, again, where the world will tell you, no, you have to do this or it's not okay. And we're going to say, no, we're going to do what God says. Amen? God gives us the strength and opportunity to break free from the ungodly parental family examples that we may have. But I will say this, even if you disagree with your parents, honor them. And what I mean by that is be kind, be gracious, give them the honor that's due them. They raised you, they love you, they care about you. Honor them, amen? But as a grown adult, and the good news is for me, I never had my dad give me counsel. I didn't agree. My dad, you know, my dad was in his 80s when he died, and he's the most godly man I've ever met. And he's, it's the Lord who did all, made me who I am, but praise God for my dad. I look at my dad and I think, man, that's what a godly man looks like. That's what a godly husband looks like. That's what a godly... So I know I've been blessed in that way. And I know not everybody has. And I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, I want to encourage all of us, honor them. Now look at verse 4. Here we go. So his mom was giving him ungodly counsel. And look what it says. Therefore he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab... For they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction. So here's what happened. His grandfather died. He was a godly man. So his dad took over. Now his dad is gone and his dad had, had become evil and was not, was not heeding the word of God and was listening to his mom. And so now he's just becoming like King Ahab, his grandpa. And being like his ungodly mom who was the, the, you know, was the queen. And his grandmother all of them ungodly, surrounded by them. And now he's made the conscious choice to follow in their path. We all are in need of counsel and direction from time to time. Again, none of us knows everything, but listening to ungodly counsel will lead to your destruction. It says in Psalm 1, don't turn there. I'm going to read it to you. I actually pretty much know it by heart. I should be able to, but Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The word blessed there is, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, I'm going to offend a few of you, but I love you, and it's okay, right? Okay? I have people tell me, well, I would, I would counsel with a pastor, and again, you don't need to counsel with me. Just make sure they're a believer. But I want to go to somebody that's gone to school and has some degrees so they can counsel me better. 
Okay. Well, who, who were they studying? Dead atheists? Young and Freud, who thinks everyone wants to sleep with their mother? You want counsel from those people? Amen? I don't need counsel from the world. The world needs counsel from us because we know Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? So I want counsel, but I want counsel from somebody who's got the spirit of the living God living inside of them. Someone who's been born again, who's a new creation in Christ. Amen? That's who I want counsel from. The Bible says, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. And then it just gets worse. It says, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Here's what happens. When you start walking with ungodly counsel, before you know it, you're sitting down with ungodly counsel. You're walking with them, then you're standing next to them, now you're sitting with them. I had a Christian friend of mine who I worked with was going to her counselor three times a week and couldn't make a decision on anything unless her counselor told her what to do, and the counselor had been married six times. And I was just like, what are you doing? Well, she's wise. No, she's not. Help me out here. You're getting marriage counseling for somebody who's been married six times? But it's so foolish because we will elevate, well, the person went to Harvard. If they don't know Jesus, who cares? Can I get an amen to that? I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how intelligent you think you are. If you don't know the Lord, you're spiritually dead. You need to be born again. And I don't need any advice from you about any. You maybe could tell me how to fix the pipe that broke on the basement. But that's it. Can I get an amen to that? But he's saying, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. We don't go to ungodly counselors. We don't stand in the path of sinners. We don't sit in the seat of the scornful. But here's why we don't have to do that. Here's why. You ready? Psalm 1. But he delights in the law of the Lord. Amen? You know why we don't have to go to the world for counsel? Because we go to the Lord. He wrote it down for us. The answers for marriage are in here. The answer for how to live a godly life, in here. Amen? This is, this is our standard for how that we live and move and breathe. And the reason we don't need counsel from the world is we delight in the law of the Lord. Guys, if you don't love this book, if you're not passionate about what's in this book, Guys, you're going to struggle in this life because you're going to be drawn away by counsel from people who don't know the author. Amen? And we need to hunger for this. Notice what it says. He delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You can't meditate on something you're not reading. Amen? I want to encourage you, if you don't memorize Scripture, start memorizing Scripture. Because when the Word of God is in you, the Word of God, it, it transforms you, doesn't it? I used to have, when I sold advertising, we used to get, I used to get psychologists and marriage family child counselors as accounts when I used to handle real little accounts. And again, I'm not saying they're all like this, but most of them couldn't make up their mind about anything. And if you ask anybody in our office, who's the worst to deal with? All oh, those marriage family child counselors. They can't make up their mind about anything. I would go talk to them and I'm thinking these people can't decide whether to make their phone number red or blue. How are they telling anybody how to live their life? Just a side note, I would go in and tell them because they would be so indecisive. They had a little tiny, I had a counselor spending 50 grand a month. They're spending $30 a month and they want me to come back six times to help them fix their ad. Should I put a dot there or a dash there? If I put a dash, am I going to look hesitant? If I put a dot, am I going to look abrupt? My head's about to explode. No one's reading it anyway. Stop it. Take your family to Disneyland. It's a little tiny ad. No one's going to see it, right? But what I would do is I would go in and tell them, you know, hey, I'm relieved because usually when I go see someone in your industry, they're really indecisive. And I'm thankful after talking to you for a few minutes that you're obviously not one of those people. And then they always make up their mind at the end of our sales call because they didn't want to be the people I just told them I didn't like. Can I get an amen to that? And I was using their nonsense on them. Here's the reality. We don't need to turn to the world. We need to turn to the Lord. Amen. I would rather meet with someone who's been saved an hour and a half to give me counsel than somebody who's got 47 years of college. Amen? Because Jesus is the answer. His delight is in the word of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by. Proverbs 12 says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who needs counsel is wise. It says in Proverbs 11, Where there is no counsel, the people fail, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. But it's not just counselors, it's godly counselors. Amen? 
And no matter what I tell you or anybody else tells you, you always compare it to the word of God because your pastor's not the authority. Your church isn't the authority. The person who lives down the street who loves Jesus isn't the authority. The word of God is the authority. Amen? He says, you meditate on the word, you delight in the law, and you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth its fruit in due season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so, but are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish." You know what I love that encourages me as much or more than anything? When I see somebody go through tragedies and trials and their faith doesn't waver. Because I know they're planted by the rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? That they remain steadfast. Their faith might be tested, but it can be trusted. And they keep their eyes on Jesus and they continue to worship him. And they praise him no matter what. And you have people that are counseling people that their car got scratched six months ago and they can't get over it. We don't want that for counseling. Can I get an amen to that? People get upset every time I talk about, well, I'm, I'm majoring in psychology. Big question. Look, if you're going to be counseling people, counsel them from the word of God because we need more people doing that. Can I get an amen to that? And you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you be that example. We need more people like that. Amen? Perfect. We need that. So again, today, we don't just get ungodly counsel from counselors. We get it from the songs we listen to, the TV shows that we watch, the movies that we watch. Amen? Athletes come out and tell you how to vote. Why do I care how you vote? Because you can throw a ball in a hoop sometimes. Can I get an amen? I don't care. Amen? I don't care. Or you're an actor. You go, they say, stand there and say that. They go, stand there and they say that. Now they're going to tell me how to live my life? People tell them to go stand there and tell them what to say, and they say it. Why are we impressed with that? I don't get it, amen? But the point I'm making is this. We don't need counsel from the world. We don't need counsel from people who are famous. We need counsel from the one who created us, amen? All-knowing, almighty, all-powerful God. We need to delight in him and in no one else. So he did not do that. He, he, what did he do? He let Ahab be his counselor, his mother is his counselor, who's an ungodly woman. And so guess what? He's going to be an ungodly man. And his life is going to be cut short. We must not allow ungodly influence, no matter what form that it takes. The Bible tells us that Satan is a roaring lion, seeking whom we may desire, devour. Excuse me. And sadly, most bombarded with ungodly influence all day long with little or no godly influence. Guys, if all you're doing is watching stuff that's ungodly all day, and you're not having any godly influence in your life, don't be surprised when you're depressed and fearful and anxious and worried. And, and again, those things can happen when you're walking with the Lord, but you turn to the Lord in the midst of that, right? Amen? But we see that this is, so what does this young man need? He's 22 years old. He just became the king of God's people. What would be a good thing for him to be doing? Praying. That brother should be on his face. Amen? Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm only 22. Lord, he knew this was going to happen. Help, Lord, help. Amen. I can patent it, but he can use it anytime he wants. Amen. Lord, help. Cry out to God. Watch what God will do. And instead, he listens to the counsel of the world. I don't know if you've seen what's going on with Target right now. Again, I'm not super. But they've got a guy that designed clothing that is a self-proclaimed Satanist. And on some of the stuff he's put out, Satan respects pronouns. How tragic is that? And it's probably true, right? Because it is true. Because the pronouns are ungodly unless it's he and she. Can I get an amen to that? But this is, you walk into the store and that's what you're confronted with. You turn on music, that's what you're confronted with. You start, you start singing songs and all of a sudden there's some ungodly stuff in there. Guys, we need to walk in the counsel of the godly. Amen? Guys, if the word of God and the Holy Spirit is not the single most influential thing in your life, you're headed for heartache and destruction. Let me say that one more time. If God's word and the influence of the Holy Spirit isn't the single most influential thing in your life, you're headed for destruction. Amen? If you're listening to anybody else, if you're finding answers from anybody else, 
it's going to be heartache. So point number one, if you surround yourself with evil influences, you'll become more like them and less like Jesus. Amen? And so he's going to listen to the ungodly world, and we're going to see what happens to his life. Look at point number two. Hang out with the world and become a part of the world's battles. Verse five. He also followed their advice and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war against Hazael, king of Syria, at Ramoth Gilead, and the, Sir- and, the, and the Syrians wounded Joram. So remember that you've got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So the king in the north uh, is the son of Ahab, and he enlists him, and they're going into battle against Syria. Now, we already saw that happen with his parents. Remember, his dad did the same thing, Jehoshaphat, grandfather, actually. Remember that, that he entered into battle with Ahab because he had aligned himself with him, and that was a bad idea, and he was told not to do it by Micaiah, who was a prophet, and he did it anyway, because you know why he did it? He didn't listen to the prophet because he'd been hanging out with the world too much. And so he did what the world does, and he enters into this battle. And remember that Ahab told him to wear the priestly garments because Ahab was afraid of dying. You remember that? That's really the guy you want to go out to battle with. Dude, put on a target on your back so they'll all shoot at you, and I'll go hide over here. And that's what Ahab did, remember? And remember what he did? He said, Lord, help. It's in the Bible. He said, Lord, help. And and God delivered him. And then a guy shot an arrow in the sky at random, and it came down and killed Ahab, right? point I'm making is they're repeating the same problem. The same mistake that his grandfather made, he's making the same one. We, we, guys, we should be able to learn by other people's experience. Amen? That's why your testimony is good. When you share your testimony, you can say, here's who I was, and here's what God did, and here's who I am now. And maybe somebody's here, or somebody's hit listening is still over here. And they know that God can deliver because you've been delivered. Amen? And sadly is when somebody's walked it and they tell you about it and you've witnessed it and you saw God deliver them from it and then you go do it again anyway. And that's what's happening here. And by the way, Ramoth Gilead, Syrians and Israel fought over it all the time. It was right between the two lands and they would just fight with each other over it all the time. So they're fighting over it again. But notice that he's in a battle with an ungodly, you know, Ahab, Ahab's son, grandson, and they're fighting against, again, in this battle, and he's aligning himself with idol worshipers. Why is he doing that? Because he's not hanging out with the Lord. Amen? When you start listening to ungodly counsel, you start going out and fighting battles with the ungodly, and you're standing for ungodly things instead of standing for the things of God. Amen? That's why you hear Christians say things like, well, I think abortion's okay in some cases. No. Killing babies is always wrong. Amen? Some people will disagree with that, and you're wrong. The reality is the word of God is true. If you hang out with the world, you're going to start becoming like the world, and you're going to start engaging in the world's battles instead of standing for the things of God. Now, Joram got wounded. He was out in this battle, and this he's, a, he's again in a position of authority on Israel's side, right? You got a, you got. Judah, and you got Israel. Watch verse 6. Then he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which he had received at Ramah when he fought against Hazel, king of, of Syria. And Azariah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel because he was sick. So now what is he doing? He's building friendships with the ungodly. He's gone out into battles with the ungodly. And now he's going because he's concerned about the ungodly. And again, not because he wants to see them saved or redeemed, but because he's become yoked together with them. And see, when we make the mistake of thinking that if we love people, we'll always tolerate their behavior, then we're going to look at intolerance as being contrary to what we believe instead of standing before the Lord. Amen? If you tolerate ungodliness, what you're doing is keeping keeping people from the thing God created them to be. Amen? Tolerance doesn't mean agreement, right? And that's what, we can disagree with you and still love you. Amen? And here we, we see him uh, aligning. He's 22 years old. It's not been a year yet because he's only, he's only going to make it a year. So in a short amount of time, he's listening to his ungodly mom. He's looking to the wickedness of everybody on her side of the family. He's aligning himself and going out into battle with them to fight against their enemies. And now he's 
showing uh, his favor and his care towards someone, again, on that side of the family, who's an idol worshiper, instead of honoring the Lord. Azariah's association with a wicked family he should have had nothing to do with led him to be in a place he never should have been with wicked people he never should have anything to do with. Guys, have you ever started compromising and then you find yourself in a place and you think, what am I doing here? Has that ever happened to you or just me? I've shared this with you before. This is a long time ago. I just turned 60 yesterday. So this is when I was 17. So some people in the room, you were 20 years away from being born, okay? But I don't know. I, I, I do know how this happened. So back in the day, and this is not an excuse. It's a reality, and it's a horrible excuse, and I was wrong for doing it. We didn't have a lot of great Christian music like you have now. And I worked in a music store, and I used to get free albums. I had like 200 albums in my room. And I went to this concert with a bunch of my friends. It's a group called Van Halen. You ever heard of them? Okay. And we go to this concert, and there's thousands of people. It's in Oakland. And halfway through the concert, he goes, who here likes to get blankety-blanking high? And everybody's holding up their bongs and holding up, like, you know, lighters. And I'm, I'm standing with my Christian friends going, how did we get here? What the heck in the world? We I looked at my friends. We had two cars. I said, I'm going home. And some of the guys got in my car. I drove home. I should have thrown my albums out. I took them all to a friend's house and put them on his doorstep. And I only got to keep the three Christian albums I had. Slow Train of Coming by Bob Dylan. Amy Grant's Greatest Hits. And uh, Love Song. So I, went, I had three albums. And that's all I got to play. point I'm making is, one little compromise leads to another little compromise. And before you know it, you're like, yeah, right? Like, what am I doing here? And this is what can happen to all of us. Amen? You start compromising a little bit, and before you know it, you desensitize yourself a little bit, and it takes a slap, something that, that heavy to go, what am I doing here? And the sad part is that he's just going to continue getting more further and further away from the Lord. So point number two, hang out with the world to become part of the world's battles. You end up being in places you should never be with people you shouldn't associate with, fighting battles you should never should have been a part of. Number three, know that worldly influences will destroy a godly testimony and you will become desensitized to sin. Look at verse seven. His going to Joram was God's occasion for Ahaziah's downfall. For when he arrived, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to cut off the house of Ahab. If you go to 2 Kings, this is a very short, tiny little synopsis of what happened in 2 Kings in, in a, two chapters, basically. And God uses Jehu and says to Jehu, I want you to wipe every descendant of Ahab off the face of the earth. Kill them all. All of them. Wipe them out. They're ungodly. They need to be gone. So that's Jehu's calling is to wipe out the sons of Ahab. Now, Ahaziah, one grandpa is Jehoshaphat. The other grandpa is who? Ahab. So he could, if he was walking with the Lord, I believe that he would have been safe. Because he would have looked at him and said, well, he's a son of Jehoshaphat and he's following God. But when he's walking after Ahab, God says, because of him coming down, getting in this battle, acting in an ungodly way, following ungodly counsel, this is going to be the opportunity for God to bring an end to this man's life. He's going to have him intersect with Jehu, who's been told to wipe out all of those people who are, again, descendants of Ahab. Ahaziah aligned with the wicked and will die with the wicked. It's been said, you will spend eternity with the people that you spend your time here with. Amen? If you're aligned with the world, you're going to spend eternity with the world. If you're aligned here with the Lord and believers, you're going to spend eternity with the Lord and believers. Amen? And he is lined up with the world. It says, notice again there, the destruction of Ahaziah and Jehu, the son of Nimshi. If you want to read, go back to 2 Kings chapter 9 and 10, and it's got a much more in-depth. But Elisha sent out one of his disciples in that latest war, and the main captain of the army of Israel was this man named Jehu, and the young prophet uh, secretly anointed him to become king over Israel. And then when Jehu's comrades heard about it, he would, had been anointed king, they were excited. And again, nobody was happy with the family of Ahab. Nobody liked Ahab and his family, nobody. 
this point, Ahab's dead. What I'm saying is nobody liked his descendants. Wanted nothing to do with them. They were evil, wicked, vile human beings. They wanted them gone. Guilt by association. You become like who you hang out with. Again, I've done a lot of prison ministry, and I can't tell how many stories I heard where guys were like, I was in the room, and somebody got killed, and I'm here for murder. I got 40 years, and I was in the room. That's how it works. Amen? I was in the room. Why were you in the room? Because you're hanging out with the wrong people. Amen? I don't think I've ever had a friend that I was worried about killing somebody in front of me. I was never worried about that. Guilt by association. Who do you associate with? We should be associating with people that love Jesus. Amen? I hope they say, oh, you're one of them Jesus. Oh, your friends are Jesus freaks. Amen. Keep reading. Look at verse 8. Then, they, then at the, it says there in verse 8, And it happened when Jehu was executing judgment on the house of Ahab and found the princes of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's brothers who served Ahaziah, that he killed them. So Isaiah, they're not his brothers because all his brothers are dead. More than likely what they are are cousins, nephews, things like that. And literally he's wiping out anybody in the line of Ahab. And they're all being taken out. Then it says in verse 9, Then he searched for Ahaziah, and they caught him. He was hiding in Samaria, and they brought him to Jehu. And when they had killed him, they buried him because they said, He's the son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So the house of Ahaziah had no one to assume power over the kingdom. So here's what happens. Ahaziah's hiding. And you know what? God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If we're walking with the Lord, we never have to hide. Can I get an amen to that? Oh, the prophet's coming to town. I better hide. Jehu's coming. He's a godly man. Better run away and hide from that guy. By the way, you know who doesn't like police officers? Criminals. I love the police. Can I get an amen to that? Love the police. The Bible says that Romans 13, they were put in that position for godly authority. I love them, you know, and, and I love being around godly people, and I don't get threatened by it. Why? Because we're, we honor the Lord, amen? But he's hiding. Why is he hiding? Because he knows Jehu's out for him, because he's walking with the ungodly. He's aligned himself with the family of Ahab. He can't just live his life out, out loud because he knows that the life he's living is contrary to what the Word of God says, Amen? That's why people want to take crosses down, because it convicts them. I told you this story. I used to have a, stickers on my cubicle at work, and people would come by and tell my boss, those offend me, and he'd call me in. They're offended. I said, they're supposed to be. <laughs> I put them up to offend them. Guy's got a boot on his cubicle, man. I can have a cross on mine. Can I get him into that? But here's, he's hiding. He's hiding. He's afraid. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to hide. Amen? God is for us who can be against us. So it says there, now notice what it says though. They killed him. They killed him because he was aligned with Ahab, but they buried him because he was aligned with Jehoshaphat. Because if he wasn't aligned with Jehoshaphat, they probably would have taken his body and thrown it out on the road and just run over it. Seriously. And so they showed respect to his body because he had part of his family that loved God. So they showed him honor because of his godly grandpa, but they killed him because of his ungodly one, and he was following him. Here's, here's a man who had a choice to make. I can follow in the line of my godly grandfather. I can follow the true and living God. I can be a godly example to the children of, of Judah. I, can, I, I mean, these are God's children. I should be crying out to the Lord and walking with the Lord. He could have been like his grandpa Josephat, who tore down all the idols and had the word of God being taught everywhere. Or he could be like Ahab. A man who only cares about himself, a man who worships false gods, a man who mocks the true and living God. They killed him because of the house of Ahab, and they buried him because he was of the house of Jehoshaphat. Again, he was a blood relative of Ahab, but he was also a man who was a blood relative of those who loved God. See, God has no grandchildren. He didn't just get a get out of he didn't get a just get out of hell free card because his grandpa one of his grandpas loved God, guys. At some point, it's really down to you to choose whom you're going to serve. Amen. Your mom and dad can't choose for we wish we could, but we can't. My parents didn't get to choose for me. It was up to me, right? All of us have a choice to make. 
Guilt by association. You know, it's interesting what I thought about. How many of you guys are related to Adam? If your hands on up, we need a class or something. <laughs> so we, we're guilty because he sinned. Amen? So guilt by association. But we've also been, if you're born again, you've been adopted into God's family. And now you're forgiven. Amen? So you're either a child of Abraham or you're a child of the king. Amen? We're, we're, we're aligned with Abraham in our, you know, our, our flesh, but we're born again, new creations in Christ. Last point as we close. Now watch, at the light. So now, it, notice it said at the end of verse 10 there, 9, it said, so the house of Ahaziah had no one to assume power over the kingdom. Now this is kind of scary because now they don't know who they can make king. They don't know what to do. So you, typically they'd be looking for a small child that was related to one of the dads that was killed, or they're going to try to find somebody that has some of that blood in them. Now, remember, God made a promise to King David. What did he promise him? Always have somebody on the throne, and who would come through the line of David? The Messiah. They didn't know it was Jesus yet, but they knew the Messiah, right? The son of David. Well, guess what? There's only be one left. And watch what happens. Now, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. She literally killed everybody in the tribe of Judah, killed them all, or so she thought. If she killed them all, guess what? Then the prophecy that God made about the son of David couldn't come true, right? If they're all dead. But again, just goes to show you the sovereignty of God. They think they're all dead. Let's finish with this. Look at verse 11. But Jehoshabeth, how many of you have ever even heard of her? You ever heard of her before? Okay, not a lot of hands up. God bless this woman. Look what it says. But Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. So Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, the priest, for she was a sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah so she did not kill him. It's kind of like, remember the story of Moses, right? Pharaoh's wife goes out, gets Moses, you know, hides him away, puts him in a little ark, right? And Moses was the deliverer. Do you remember when Jesus was born? Herod killed all the babies, because he heard that the star had been shining in the sky and he wanted to wipe out the one that was going to grow up to be the Messiah. Well, this is happening way back you know, before that. And what's happened here is this woman is the, it's her nephew, but she's of the line of Ahab. And she recognizes that they're going to kill this little boy. So she goes and takes him and hides him away. And the people that had been reading the Bible at the time, that knew what the Word of God said about prophecy, might have thought, well, man, it's over. Because this boy was hidden and nobody knew where he was. She's taken him away. He's probably about a year old. And she hides him for six years and keeps him safe. Because God's hand was upon him. Amen? And you know what it reminds me of? Remember when Israel ceased to be a nation? I mean, we're not that old. But, you know, maybe some of us are. But the point I'm making is there was a time where it wasn't a nation and people would mock what the Bible said about Israel, right? And they would say, well, that's the United States. Well, we took their place. No. And then Israel became a nation again. Amen? And God always knew what he was doing, right? Well, this child is being hidden and everybody thinks everybody from Judah's dead. Guys, here's the good news. When God makes a promise, it's always true. And he's always faithful, even when we don't understand how that could happen. Amen? God's on the throne. Let's finish up. Last verse. And it says, And he was hidden with them in the house of God for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. So you know what that means? Athaliah was killing her grandchildren so she could be the queen. So she could be in charge. How hard-hearted would someone have to be to kill their own grandchildren so they could have more power and influence. But isn't that what abortion does all day long? Slaughtering babies because it's not convenient, because it's not financially well for me, because I've got a career I want to focus on. And we make our, what we desire more important in someone else's life. Amen? 
Notice that final point there is you will lose sight of what's really important. See, the only thing we're taking heaven with is people. And when we get so caught up in what we want, in our desire, in our will, in our goals, and the, and the things that we want to achieve in life, we will not care about people. We'll care about ourselves. Amen? And Athaliah, all she cared about was being in a position of authority. She didn't have any kids left. But those grandkids, they might make that one of them a, the king, and then I will have to take a back seat. So I'm going to wipe out all my own grandchildren. Lord help. Amen? And you know what? There's nothing new under the sun. So... In closing, guilt by association, you'll become like the people you hang out with. If you surround yourself with evil influences, you'll become more like them and less like Jesus. Hang out with the world, and you'll become a part of the world's battles. By the way, I think, again, Pastor Dave's opinion, I'll stand over here. If we're going to rally for anything, we should be rallying for Jesus. Amen? A while back... There was a big Trump thing on a Sunday morning, and a bunch of people from our church decided going to the Trump rally was more important than coming to church. I didn't get one amen in the room. Hey, what I'm making is, should we vote? What's the answer? Should we vote biblically? What's the answer? Is our faith in the White House or the throne of grace? Amen. Amen? And if we're going to rally, for, let's rally for something that's eternal. Amen? People jump up and down when their baseball team hits a ball with a stick over a fence. We should be able to jump up and down for Jesus. Amen? Amen. We wear our colors, man. I was at Disneyland yesterday with uh, Irfan because I had a ticket that was running out and he went. So we went together and I had my Jesus shirt up, you know, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's what my shirt said. And you know what? I got to talk to people about Jesus all day. Amen? If I had worn a Niner jersey, I'd be talking to Niner. I want to talk to people about Jesus. Amen? Let's have an opportunity to point people to the Lord. Know, what, know that worldly influences will destroy a godly testimony. You'll become desensitized to sin. Guys, the more that we're entertained by the things of the flesh, the more that we'll see them as acceptable. Amen? And then finally, you will lose sight of what's really important. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. You are a great and an awesome God. And Lord, from tonight's text and the previous chapters, we see that there's choices to be made. Choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Lord, it's just so heartbreaking to see somebody raised in the truth to walk away from it. But Lord, I pray for anybody here that was raised in a way that wasn't really honoring to you, that Lord, you would, that, that would not keep them from all that you have for them. They would recognize, Lord, that while the generations before them might have not surrendered their lives to you, we still can. And Lord, may we bring glory and honor to your name, and may we, Lord, not allow compromise to get our eyes off of you, but may you be the priority and the passion of our lives. And Lord, may we hunger and thirst. May we meditate on your word day and night. And may we not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Lord, we ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray. All God's people said. Amen. See your word.